Welcome to uh, Basics for Bible Believers, Lesson 7. We're glad to have you uh, all tonight. And tonight we're going to be studying what we covered last time, uh, eternal security. Amen. Uh, now tonight we're going to be uh, getting into future events, future events. But before we do that, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. All right. So if you've got your Bibles tonight, uh, let's turn first to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3. We're going to be studying future events. Now, uh, of all the subjects we've covered thus far in this series, uh, this is going to be a bit more difficult uh, in regards to uh, what, we're, what we've been looking at. It's a little bit more deeper, a little bit more detailed, and it's going to be a bit, a bit difficult. Um, and we won't be going, just digging right into some of these. We're going to gloss over them and give you a basic overview so we don't uh, get too meaty, if you will. We want to stay in the milk of the Word of God. But it's important that we, uh, that we study these things. Uh, for the purpose of this uh, um, lesson, we will list the future events here and then discuss with Scripture uh, later on um, in more in detail after we cover the, the outlines and talking about these things. So the first thing we notice is in Revelation chapter 1. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 1, of course, uh, one of the greatest books in the Bible to reveal to us the future. And the Bible says that in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3, if you got your Bible there, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3, while you're turning there, I'll just uh, make a note, uh, at least down south uh, and in other places, people call it the book of Revelations, plural. Uh, if you notice the title of the book, it's The Revelation of Jesus Christ to St. John. And so just, uh, you know, um, you kind of show your biblical ignorance when you call it the book of Revelations. Uh, it's Revelation, singular. It's one single revelation. Amen? So uh, we'll remember that. Just take note of that. Just a little pet peeve of mine and uh, something for you to learn from. The book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3. The Bible says, Blessed is he that readeth. You want a blessing? Read the word of God. And they that hear... The words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Now, I know we can make application to the whole Bible, but really uh, what he's making direct application to is the book of Revelation itself. Uh, I just heard recently uh, we were discussing, uh, um, someone was discussing the book of Revelation and said that basically somebody forbade them from reading it um, uh, because, you know, that's not for us. Uh, I think it was Sister Sherilyn that uh, was mentioning that. She took it to her pastor at the time, and he said, Oh, that's not for us, and don't, don't bother reading it. Uh, and uh, I say that's uh, in direct opposition to the Word of God, because the Bible says there about the revelation of Jesus Christ, Blessed is he that readeth, they that hear the words of this prophecy, the one in particular in front of you, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. And so, in Revelation 1-3, God promises to bless those uh, who read the book of Revelation. Amen? Amen? So, you say, what does that tell us? Well, prophecy is important for many reasons. It tells us this prophecy is important. In particular, uh, it lets you know how things are going to end up. And you say, why is that important? Uh, well, you know, I don't know about you, but for me, it encourages me. Um, I'm not one, uh, my wife is, but I'm not one to, to read a book and then uh, turn to the last page and read it. It sort of spoils the plot and, uh, and, and the whole uh, spoiler, you know, it sort of spoils it. Uh, but with the Word of God, you can read the Word of God and, uh, and sort of skip ahead and see at the end of it. We, I read, read the last chapter, the last page, and guess what, folks? We win, amen? And I thank God for that. And you say, what does that do? That gives us hope. That gives us hope. Uh, amen. And so it lets you know how things are going to end up. Prophecy motivates the Christian as well uh, to keep himself pure. Uh, look uh, just back to your left from the book of Revelation to the book of 1 John chapter 3. This is why it's important. It's important for many reasons. It lets you know how things are going to end. Amen. And you say, why is that important? Because God's name is on the line. He, he is um, a man of his word. Amen, if I can say it like that. Uh, God never, the Bible says it's impossible for God to lie. 
And if God said something's going to happen, it's going to happen the way God said it. Amen. Let God be true and every man a liar. And so if, if God said it, you can count on it and you can bank on it. That's the way it's going to happen. Now, take your Bible there, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 3. Uh, the, the Bible says, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. And you say, what does that do? That prophecy also motivates us uh, to keep ourselves pure, to keep the Christian pure. Amen. Um, praise the Lord for that. So it, it motivates us to, to keep ourselves pure. You say, why is that? Well, when you study, when you study prophecy, you say, what's the prophecy? Uh, you, you know what I can prophesy right now tonight. I've been saved by the grace of God, by the blood of Jesus Christ. I put my faith and trust in him. The death, burial, resurrection, believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, believing that God raised him from the dead on the third day, according to the scriptures, and I ask him to save my soul. Amen? And you say, according to the Bible, that now I can confidently say that I know for sure where I'm going when I die. That's prophetic. That's prophecy. Say, why? I know I'm going to be in heaven one day. Amen? Uh, and when you get saved, Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you get the spirit of prophecy. And you can read the word of God and you can tell others where they're going to go in the future. You say, oh, what do you mean? You can tell them if they get saved, they can go to heaven. If they remain lost and they don't get saved, they're going to go to hell. That's, that's prophecy. That's, that's foretelling the future. Now, they've got a choice in that. We're not Calvinists. They've got a choice in that. But Boy, that's prophecy, amen. Hey, why? Well, the Bible tells us what rewards and what the uh, eternity is going to be like. And if you know your Bible, you know that the judgment seat of Christ is coming. And you, you'll, you'll learn about that if you're a new Christian. That one day we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And as we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, uh, six categories will be uh, tested and, and judged in our lives. And you say, what is that? Gold, silver, precious stone wood, hay, and stubble. And what goes through the fire is what we get to keep for all eternity. You can also win five crowns. Amen? And so there's, there's a lot to be gained uh, in, in, uh, in knowing. Uh, otherwise, you might get up there and remain ignorant all the way to the time where God calls you home or the rapture, and you may remain ignorant and you may miss out. And you don't want to do that. Amen? So it gives us a hope. Uh, it gives us this... Um, it, not hope. It gives us the um, motivation to keep ourselves pure. Amen? And so look at Titus chapter 2, verse 13. Don't, I was about to get ahead of myself. It also gives us hope. In Titus chapter 2, turn to your Bible, Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. Uh, you say, why? Well, the Bible says the whole world lieth in wickedness. It gives us a sure hope. Amen? Uh, if you live in this world any amount of time, you get sick of yourself, you get sick of the world system, you get sick of the government, and boy, it's been slapped in your face recently, hasn't it? And uh, you really see the, the things that are going on. It makes you sick uh, to death of this world if you're, if you're a saved Christian. And uh, the Bible says the whole world lieth in wickedness. Look at uh, Titus chapter number 2 and verse 13. The Bible says that we have hope. We have hope. Looking for, verse 13, Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope. You know what? I'm looking for something, folks. I'm looking for Jesus Christ to come back now, right now. During this service is fine with me. During this Bible study is fine with me. Even so, come Lord Jesus. I'm looking forward to it. Amen? Looking for that blessed hope. Amen. This is hope like no other. Amen? This prophecy and this future events uh, lets us know that Jesus Christ is coming soon. Amen? Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! Amen! Looking for that blessed hope. And so it gives us a sure hope in this wicked world. Uh, you know, you get discouraged, you get downtrodden here, you get uh, really put off by what's happening in the world around you. But we have a sure hope that no matter how bad it gets, we know Jesus is coming. Amen. We welcome him. We look for him. And that'll keep your hope in the right place, looking for these future events, knowing about it. 
Can you imagine living in this world thinking, okay, what's tomorrow? Just like the day before and the day after that. You say, what happens if you start living like that and you start living without this blessed hope? You get discouraged. You get downtrodden. Uh, you get uh, just down in the dumps. I don't know how many times God's brought me out of uh, despair and brought me out of discouragement and depression and being down by thinking on things above, thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ returning and getting excited about thinking about uh, getting uh, called up to meet Him in the air. And that's exciting, folks. Amen. Knowing that this world will be left behind. Now, people who refuse... Uh, to study the prophecy, study prophecy in the Bible are refusing to study a major portion of the Word of God. The Bible is a book of prophecy. Therefore, every Christian should be interested in prophecy. Every Christian. And so, uh, we're going to go through a list of the major events of the prophecy uh, in the order that they will take place. And uh, we'll, we'll look at some details as we go along the way. The next big event, and the first one on God's calendar, I uh, sort of got ahead of myself talking about the blessed hope, is the rapture of the church. Amen? Now turn in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians. You're in Titus. Turn back to your left to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The Bible says there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and start down around verse number 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that they sorrow not, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. You see? They're sorrowful when they put their loved ones in the ground. They're weeping. I've heard of people throwing themselves down on the graves and scratching at the grounds and wailing out and laying on the graves for days and days and days at a time until people had to drag them away. Say, why? That's the end for them. But not for the Christian. Amen? We don't sorrow as those that have no hope. We have uh, the blessed hope. Amen? We have the blessed hope. That's not the end. That's not the person that's going in the ground. That's just their empty house, their empty shell. Amen. We look for that house from heaven where we're clothed upon. Amen. The Bible says there in verse 13, I'll read it again. It's so good, but I would not have you to be ignorant. So the Lord and the Apostle Paul doesn't want you to, without this knowledge. Brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that, they, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, you're saved, amen? Even so them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So the ones that have died before the rapture, um, the Bible says Jesus, uh, that sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Verse 15, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Notice those old English words. Words Sometimes they're very simple if you look at them. Prevent. That doesn't mean that you're going to hinder them. That means that there's going to be a pre-event to you being called up to meet the Lord in the air. See that word? Break it down. Prevent. Pre-event. Prevent them which are asleep. Meaning that the dead in Christ are going up first. Amen. The, look what the Bible says. Verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that they that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Verse 16. For the Lord himself, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the, vo with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's that pre-event. Amen. Verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. 
Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Hallelujah. Amen. You say, what do we have uh, on God's timetable next taking place? The rapture. The rapture of the church. The ones that are saved, that are in Jesus Christ, that put their faith and trust in Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Turn in your Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You talking about a rich chapter in the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 15 is a rich chapter. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 1 to 4 is, the, is the, the gospel. We'll read it just because uh, we're here. We won't uh, quote it, uh, but we'll read it here. 1 Corinthians 15, 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which, you have also received, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. By the which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory that which I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. And he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. Uh, you say, what's that? The death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15, talking about the rapture in verse 49. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 49. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, earthy, we sh shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed, for the, this corruption must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Amen. So this is when the Lord comes to get the church and we go up to meet him in the air, leaving the lost behind. And when I say church, I don't mean a building. God's not going to rapture uh, the buildings. The, the, those will be left behind. There will be no use where we're going. Amen. And uh, I know there's some uh, um, cults out there teach that even their buildings are going to be raptured. Folks, the, the brick and mortar is not uh, important to God. Amen. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's his sheep. That's the church. Now, at the rapture, the church goes up. The saints go up and meet the Lord in the air. And so as, uh, when that takes place, uh, common sense will tell you that what comes next is called the judgment seat of Christ. Now that's not, that's not in the list that we're putting here. This is just what's going to take place in heaven while the tribulation starts down here. So we'll talk a little bit about the judgment seat of Christ for the saved. Uh, look at Romans uh, chapter number 14. Romans chapter number 14. Romans chapter number 14 and verse 10. So the church gets raptured up, meets the Lord in the air, and we go up to heaven. And the dead in Christ will rise first. The saved that are alive go up to meet the Lord in the air, and we return to heaven. During that time is when uh, the judgment seat of Christ takes place for the saved. Romans chapter 14 and verse number 10, the Bible says, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Romans 14.10 or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Do you see that? The judgment seat of Christ. Uh, you're in uh, Romans. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. Next book of the Bible to your right. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. At this point, you need to know about two judgments. Uh, you say, what's that? We'll, we'll get to the other one in a minute, but... Uh, for the Christian, uh, we'll, and for purpose of the Bible study, you've got the judgment seat of Christ. And the last judgment, that's called the white throne judgment. 
And uh, there, there's, there's two of them there, two main ones. And there's more, but we, those are the main ones that um, people get confused. The rapture, the, uh, after the rapture, the judgment seat of Christ is for the saved. That's for the saved. If no, nobody that's lost will appear at the, the judgment seat of Christ. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 11, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. But in verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And so you say, what happens? All of your life's work after you get saved is going to be Pass through the test of fire. Uh, gold, silver, precious stone. Will those things burn up? No, they won't. Wood, hay, and stubble? They will. And uh, we, we won't get into how you gain those and what those are tonight. Uh, maybe we will later on, but just so you know the categories. What we're talking about now is the judgment seat of Christ for the saved. So 2 Corinthians, that's 1 Corinthians. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Next book of your Bible to the right. 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and look at verse number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. The Bible says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So it's important to know that this is going to take place um, at the time that the rapture, when, when the majority of the church gets raptured up, um, and, and you say, what do you mean? Well, some have uh, already died before, and uh, their soul has gone to God, their body has gone to the grave, and at the day of the rapture, um, that's when the judgment seat of, of Christ will take place for, the, for those ones that are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And this is going to be taking place while the lost are going through the tribulation on the earth. So the first thing we talked about is the rapture. The judgment seat of Christ is what's going on uh, in heaven, down on the earth. The second future event to take place is called the tribulation. The tribulation. Look at Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. And the Bible says in verse 1, And I saw the right hand of him that sat on the throne, a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And behold, and I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And uh, you can read through there. And what takes place is uh, the tribulation starts to commence. And that goes from Revelation chapter 5 to all the way through to Revelation chapter number 18, um, the, the, the tribulation time. Now, we won't get into all that because, like I said, we don't want to get in too far into the meat. We want to st stick to the milk. Uh, so go to Matthew chapter 24, this time of tribulation. 
Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Talking about future events. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And verse number, um, let's start down, um, verse number 5. Sorry, verse number 3. Matthew 24, verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, and saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now, the Bible says here, verse 13, Now he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Then shall the end come. When you therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then they, let them which be in the Judea flee into the mountains. Verse 17, let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him that is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child in those days, and to them that give suck in those days. Uh, but pray ye that your flight be not in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as not since the beginning of the world not to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And so uh, you say, what's going to take place there? Just a little side note here to make, make note of. When this is being written, Jesus Christ has not died. He has not been buried. He has not been resurrected. They're not preaching the gospel of the grace of God uh, in Matthew chapter number 24 and verse 13. They're, they're preaching uh, in verse 14 there, the gospel of the kingdom. Now, that's just a couple little things to note. Uh, you say, why? When he's speaking, he's addressing all Jews. He's addressing all Jews. When Jesus was sent, he was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And that's important that you make this, uh, this, this different. This time is not for, this time of tribulation is not for the church as we are already gone up in the rapture. This time is for the Jews and is rightly called the time of Jacob's trouble. Look at Jeremiah chapter 30. Jeremiah chapter 30. By the way, before we turn to Jeremiah 30, if you notice a couple of Jewish things there mentioned, the verse 20 says the Sabbath day. Verse 16 says them which be in Judea. That's over in Israel. Um, this, is, this is telltale signs that this is not for the church. Now look in your Bible to Jeremiah chapter number 30. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse number 7. Now this is a little bit, little bit deep, I know, but you just make note of it and try to, try to keep it, um, uh, how do you say, keep it uh, in order and it'll all, the meat will come to the bones later and you'll make more sense of it as time goes on. Um, Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse number 7. Um, look what the Bible says. Alas, for that day is great. Remember we just read that in Matthew 24, the great tribulation. That day is great so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. But he shall be saved out of it. You see that? And so there's, that time is the time of Jacob's trouble. So I thought it was, was Israel who you were addressing. I, I thought you might ask that. We'll look at Genesis 32. Genesis 32, first book of your Bible, verse 28. Sometimes it'll, it'll, it'll be a bit confusing. But in the, in, in the Bible, Jacob is also synonymous, uh, the same as Israel. 
And that, that's because of a very important event that took place in Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. Now, no one ever explained this to me when I first got saved. It took me several years to dig in and figure these things out. And uh, you ought to be very grateful that you could learn these things and study these things and understand uh, these things. There's people that have been saved for 30, uh, been, been um, studying the Bible 30 years, and they still don't understand about the tribulation. They still don't understand about the rapture of the church, and they don't understand these things. Uh, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 32, look at verse number uh, 27. We'll start at 27. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name, verse 28, shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And hast prevailed. Amen. And so it's very important that you understand that Israel and Jacob are synonymous. The time of the tribulation is the time of Jacob's trouble. The time of Jacob's trouble. Because God changed Jacob's name to Israel. And so when, when prophetically he's talking there, uh, Jacob and Israel can be interchanged. All right. So now, take your Bible. That's the tribulation. So first, you've got the, uh, you've got the rapture. Secondly, the tribulation that's starting. The third thing is the revelation. The revelation. Look at Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. This is the third thing. Revelation chapter number 19. Revelation chapter 19. Remember how we said the... the um, tribulation would run from Revelation 5 to Revelation 18. At the close of Revelation 18, then you have Revelation 19. And we'll kind of skip through here and let you see a little bit of that. Revelation 19, the Bible says in verse 1, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia! Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia! And her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen! Alleluia! And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of many multi a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and the voice of mighty, mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia! For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Amen? Let us be glad and rejoice, and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is righteousness of the saints. And he said unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell, down, fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon it, him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. See, this is the revelation that takes place. This is where Jesus Christ is coming back with his saints with him, and he's, he's descending from heaven with all of his saints and marching on Jerusalem. And the Bible says here in verse 11, And I saw heaven opened. This is, this is what caps off and what ends the, tri the tribulation. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on it upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a, clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven 
followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, uh, and that shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of, the mighty, of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit, upon, sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army, against Jesus Christ and his army. And the beast, verse 20, was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse. The Bible says, Out of his mouth goeth a sharp two-edged sword. And the Bible says there in verse 21, And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Now that's what, took pl that's what takes place at the revelation. Uh, so you've got the uh, rapture, which in the Bible is also called the translation. The translation. Uh, it's also called the translation. And so you don't need to get confused the two things. The revelation... Uh, that is, that's also called the second coming. Um, that's where Jesus Christ uh, comes. Uh, the, 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 the second advent is, is a better term for it. The second advent. And the second advent is where Jesus Christ, the first advent is where he showed up as a babe in a manger. The second advent is where he comes as uh, uh, the king of kings and lord of lords, conquering and to conquer, amen, to come forth. And he's riding a white horse in victory. And this is what we just read about in Revelation 19. And so the, he's not coming as a babe in a manger, sweet little mild baby Jesus. He's coming as a conqueror and as king. Amen. And you say, where are we going to be? We're going to be riding right, right behind him as, in his armies. Amen. And we're going to be with him. And so that's going to be the revelation. Now turn over to Matthew 24. Don't get these two things confused. They're not the same. People get these confused and they break their neck in the scriptures and they never recover. They're not the same. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. Um, let's see, let's get the place here. I got, got my reference here. Verse 42. Watch therefore, Matthew 24, verse 42. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what, in, in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is faithful and a wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is, the, is that servant whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. And if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, he shall begin to smite his fellow, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and to drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in the day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint, appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, look at Zechariah chapter number 14. Zechariah chapter 14 in your Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 14. This is when Jesus Christ is revealed from heaven at the end of the tribulation. 
Zechariah chapter 14. Zechariah chapter 14. Now at the revelation, Jesus Christ comes back all the way to the earth. And uh, his feet touch down on the Mount, of the, the Mount of Olives. His feet touch the ground. In the, in the translation or the rapture, uh, the Bible says we meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. You understand? It's a diff- there's a difference. Zechariah chapter number 14. Zechariah 14. And you say, what's it going to be like? Look at verse 1, Zechariah 14 and verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished. And half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem. On the east and on the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a great, a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall be shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azal. And ye, yea, ye shall flee like as you fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. You want to cross-reference to that? That's in, Joel, uh, sorry, in Jude chapter 1 and verse 14. That's been prophesied all the way back uh, in Genesis. Uh, and the Bible says, the, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Ten thousands of his saints. And so you say, what's going to take place? All of his saints are coming with him. And uh, that's going to be taking place. Uh, that's the third thing on our list here. And so it's not like the rapture. It's not like the rapture. During the rapture, we go up and meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And because we're already caught up the Lord and, and, and with Him uh, and enjoying the, uh, well, going through the judgment seat of Christ, marriage supper of the Lamb, and then we come back, the church does. We come back with Jesus Christ, with all His saints, to march and for Him to take over in Jerusalem. Amen? All right. And so uh, the fourth thing is called the millennium. The fourth thing on this list. I look over in Re- uh, Revelation chapter number 20. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 1. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 1, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. This is after Jesus Christ comes in with all the saints um, and, and fights against those armies that gather around Jerusalem. He comes in, he fights all of the enemies, he sits down as King of kings and Lord of lords on that throne, and then the angel comes down from heaven, grabs hold of the devil and the serpent and, and Satan, verse 2, and bound him a thousand years. So at the close of the tribulation, when Jesus Christ is victorious, he grabs the angel comes down and sort of like a, um, uh, what's it called, like a, a deputy, and he puts him in chains and he arrests him and throws him in the bottomless pit. And bound him a thousand years, verse 3, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him. The one thing that you want to notice there is that um, uh, at the end of verse 2, and bound him a thousand years. The millennium is just a fancy way of saying one thousand. The milli. Uh, and you already, most of you would already know that, but some don't put that together. That millennium means a thousand years. The millennium. And uh, in verse 3, And cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And must be loosed a little season. 
And so uh, we see that again in Isaiah chapter number 11. Turn in your Bible over to Isaiah chapter 11. If you hold your place in Revelation 20, we'll be back there in a moment uh, for, for the next one. Isaiah chapter number 11. Isaiah chapter 11. And verse number 6. During this time of millennium is going to be uh, what, uh, what people have been searching for since the beginning. You say what? Peace on earth. They just think that it comes through treaties and peace deals and this and that that never work. The way, to, the way to have peace is to have the peacemaker, the Lord Jesus Christ, sitting on the throne. The Bible calls him the Prince of Peace. And of his government and of his rule, there will be no end. Amen? Uh, look at Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 6. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. This is what the landscape's going to be like. Here's what the animals are going to be like. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in my, all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Amen. That's what's coming. That's God's government. That's the Lord Jesus Christ as the head of that government. And that kingdom, that's going to be that way for 1,000 years. Now, that was the fourth thing, the millennium. The fifth thing that we'll look at is the battle of Gog and Magog. Look at Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. So the fourth thing is the thousand years after the tribulation is concluded and Jesus Christ goes into Jerusalem and takes over. Then it has a thousand years of peace. And Revelation chapter 20, and look at verse number... Um, verse number 7. Revelation 20 and verse 7. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison... And shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog. That's where we get the name, the battle of Gog and Magog. To gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. It's a lot of people coming up. So there's a lot of people seething in anger that didn't want Jesus Christ uh, ruling over them. You can go study the Gospels at one point there, and he said... Uh, they, he gave a parable and talked about this and says, we will not have this man uh, to rule over us. They, won't, they, wouldn't stand, they can't stand Jesus Christ. And they had to do it secretly uh, while he was ruling and reigning because he's ruling and reigning with a rod of iron. And they secretly, and so the devil was loosed and he was, he's the deceiver, the Bible says. And verse 8, and he shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth. Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. Verse 9, They went up on the breadth of the earth, and compassed the, the, compassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city. And the Bible says this, And fire came down from God out of heaven, and devoured them. Amen? Devoured them. And the devil that deceiveth them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And you'll also see that um, if you want to read it sometime uh, in Ezekiel chapter 38 and chapter 39. You can read about the battle of Gog and Magog as well over there. Make that reference. Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. Now, which brings us to number six, and it's right in the same uh, vein there, just laid right out for us. The next thing that comes after, uh, at the end of the thousand years, in the battle of Gog and Magog, it doesn't give you a necessary time frame 
of how long this battle takes place or how long it takes the devil to, to rouse these uh, multitudes up to be destroyed. But um, it, it looks like it doesn't, he doesn't have to do much coercing. And uh, so they get devoured from God out of heaven. So verse 11 brings us to uh, the sixth um, great thing that's taking place. And it's called the great white throne judgment. That's the sixth thing. The great white throne judgment. And that's in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 11. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So one thing to notice in that great white throne uh, judgment, uh, in verse 15 we'll finish up, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So this great white throne judgment is, is the judgment for the lost. And, uh, and, uh, and so that's, that's what we see there. This is the, the judgment for the lost and, uh, and those that are saved during the tribulation. It's, it's the judgment for the lost and those that are saved during the tribulation. And so that's what happens at the great white throne judgment. And uh, you'll notice there in verse 11 that the, the face of the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. So the thousand years of bliss and peace and tranquility on the earth, um, at the end of that, it, it, it's finished, it's concluded. And so heaven and earth have fled away and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And so the Bible says, now death and hell are here in verse 14 were cast into the lake of fire. So the lake of fire is a much bigger body of, um, of it's called a lake of fire, and it's, a, it's much bigger. It can contain the contents of the center of the earth where hell is found, and it is cast into the lake of fire. And uh, that's what takes place at this judgment. And you say, well, what about where's the heaven and where's the earth? Uh, what's going on? After the white throne, are we going to sit there uh, suspended on nothing? Heaven and earth has fled away. Uh, there is found no place for them. Uh, you've got the lake of fire as mentioned. But what about us? Well, don't worry. The Lord doesn't keep you in suspense too long. Uh, look at Revelation chapter 21. And so the sixth thing was the great white throne judgment. The seventh thing is eternity begins with new heavens and a new earth and new Jerusalem. Amen. Uh, the Bible says one thing, uh, one place, he said, Behold, I make all things new. Amen. Uh, and so in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. You remember the Bible says that that sea is a result of a curse. That was the that was was there. It's salt water, and it was a result of a curse. And when God remakes this thing new, there's no more sea. There's no more no more of that. And something else that that leaves, we'll see uh, as well in just a moment. Uh, verse two, and I John saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. So you got the new heaven, the new earth. And you got New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice of heaven saying, out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Amen? So no more, um, no more uh, um, sea uh, when this, in, this new, in this new creation. There's no more darkness. There's no more sea. 
Amen. There's no more tears. I'm glad that some things are going to end. Amen. No more sea. No more uh, darkness. No more tears. No more death. No more sorrow. No more crying. No more pain. For the former things are passed away. Hallelujah. Amen. I see why those uh, saints and we are in that number are gathered around the throne and glorifying the works of God. And we can all say, hallelujah, hallelujah, amen, and glorify the Lord. Uh, amen. Now you can study it and read that in Revelation 21 and 22 and, and really get the full detail and depth of that. Um, but we'll get a, a little bit, um, uh, some cross-references here. Look at 2 Peter. Back to your left, look at 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7. So back to your left, a few books of your Bible, to 2 Peter chapter 3. Two Peter chapter three and verse number seven. How are we going for time? Almost finished up. That's okay. Two Peter chapter three and verse seven. The Bible says, But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men, white throne judgment. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to this promise, look for new heaven and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Amen? That's what we're looking for. And so that's, that, that's part of that hope and part, part of this prophecy that we can look forward and look forward to the future when all things are made new and all the former things are done away with. Amen? Look at Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 22. Isaiah chapter 66 will be the last reference that we have here. Isaiah chapter number 66. Isaiah chapter 66, and look at verse number 22. Isaiah 66 and verse 22. The Bible says, For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. You say, so what's going to happen at the new heavens and new earth? It'll never be destroyed. It'll never be gone. It'll be there for eternity. And the Bible says of, of Jesus Christ, of His government, there shall be no end. That's eternity. So the seventh thing is eternity. Uh, amen? That's eternity, which begins with the new heavens and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. And so we'll talk more about um, these different scriptures in the following classes as we study more. Um, but the, the ones that we just discussed, the seven things, are the major events in order that they will occur. Now, we'll, we'll uh, probably cover it in a future time um, more, on the, uh, more on things such as Armageddon, uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb, the abomination of desolation, and, and things like that. But now, I don't want to... Uh, this material that we're going through is for new Christians primarily, and we must be careful in this study... Uh, not to get the meat before the milk. Somebody might choke. However, it's helpful to you to get some of these things and just touch on them as new Christians um, to know certain outlines. Uh, you say, why? Such as the one above, those, those seven that we just mentioned. Uh, because otherwise you're going to have some very serious problems if you make Matthew 24 the rapture. Um, and you're going to have more serious problems if you try to read the church into Revelation chapter 6. And uh, you're going to have some problems. 
when you study the Bible, you find in the book of Revelation that uh, in uh, Revelation 3.22 is the last time that the, the church is mentioned. And uh, in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1, it's too good, and, and I know I'm going over time here, but I go over there to Revelation ch at the end of verse 3 and into verse 4, uh, chapter 4. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 22. Uh, I hate to not show it to you. I know we're just a few minutes over here, uh, but I want to I show you this, this little thing here that's just amazing to me. In Revelation chapter uh, 1, 2, and 3, and uh, through there you, you get the church mentioned over and over, and the churches are being mentioned and the last church age is mentioned there as well uh, in, in Laodicea. And verse 20, Jesus Christ is not standing on the inside of the church. He's on the outside there, and he's knocking on the door. That shows you a condition of the time we live in, uh, trying to get into churches. Verse 20, said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Verse 20, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame. That's a promise he gives to the church. And am set down with my Father in his throne. Verse 22, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And that's, um, that's the last time you read about that. Now it shows up in the very last chapter, but that's more of a, a closing uh, of it, not talking about what's going on with the churches. That's when he addresses it. And so uh, this is the last time it shows up here. Now look at uh, Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. How about that? Heaven's door was opened. And the first voice which I heard... Now John, the, John the Beloved, was, is a great type of the church. He's called John the Beloved. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a, oh, what's that? A trumpet talking with me. Mm -mm. How about that? How about that? When the rapture takes place, that trumpet's there talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must, which must be hereafter. And I was immediately in the Spirit. You were in the flesh one moment, the moment the twinkling of an eye, you hear that trumpet, that door is open in heaven, and up you go, boy. Up you go. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Isn't that something? You can't beat that King James Bible. Amen. Amen. And you say, why is all this important? Well, it's important to note these things. Uh, because you've got you've to know these, these outlines and understand this because it's important to rightly divide the Word of God. Rightly divide the Word of God. Now i got uh, seven questions for you here, just a little quiz, and then we'll, we'll dismiss. The first thing is, should we study the book of Revelation? Should we study the book of Revelation? What's your answer on that one? What do you think? Should we study the book of Revelation? I think we've got our answer, uh, amen, and that was found in Revelation 1-3, and the answer is yes, we should. The second, the number two, name one purpose of studying prophecy and give a scripture reference. Name one purpose of studying prophecy and give a scripture reference. And uh, we, we talked about a few there, amen. We talked about a few, but we'll just get you to get one, one purpose uh, you say, what's that? Well, one's the, uh, the hope that it brings. Amen? That's in Titus 2.13. You could also use 1 John chapter 3 and verse 3 uh, as an encouragement reminder to purify. Amen? Uh, for purification. Third thing, what's the next big event to take place in the study of prophecy? What's the next big event on God's calendar, on God's timetable? Amen? You say, what's that? That's the rapture. That's the rapture of the church. The fourth thing. What are we doing while the tribulation takes place on the earth? What is the church doing while the tribulation takes place on the earth? What's happening with us? What's going on with us? Well, what's going on with us is the judgment seat of Christ. Which event, number five, which event has the Lord coming all the way to the earth? Which event has the Lord coming all the way to the earth? And what 
book and chapter is that found in? Which event has the Lord coming all the way to the earth? That's called the Revelation. And that's found in Zechariah chapter 14. Zechariah chapter 14. And that's where the Lord plants His feet down on the Mount of Olives. Amen. Which judgment, number six, which judgment is for lost people? Which judgment is for lost people? You only got two we talked about tonight. Which judgment is for lost people? See, which one is that, Pastor? That is the judgment seat, not the judgment seat of Christ, the white throne judgment, pardon me, the white throne judgment. Now, number seven, list one reference for the rapture. List one reference for the rapture. One reference for the rapture. One reference for the rapture. How about 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 16? That'd be a good one, wouldn't it? And uh, that's the good reference for the rapture. Or 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And um, verse 49 through 55. All right. And I'll encourage you to memorize 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16. All right. We'll stop right there for tonight and uh, be dismissed now with a word of prayer. And uh, thank you for joining us. Let's pray.